Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you're in this room, you're a cloud of witnesses of the glory of God. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, and really everything in between, of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. And so, you know, I talked about it Sunday. The reason we meet and the reason we teach is because we know it's common for good Christians, strong Christians, to even get discouraged and to lose heart. So that's why we bring the word of life. And so, you know, disappointment will lead into discouragement. And discouragement will get you in a place of, you'll kind of start to regress a little bit. You won't have your eyes on Jesus. If you begin to regress, you'll begin to de get depressed. <laughs> and if, you know, if you stay depressed too long, then you get oppressed. And then, you, you know, you're just shadowed with this cloud of despair that you can't see right. And, uh, you know, Wednesday night we had our event out here, and I heard as people walked out the door, they said, it's awful dark out here. I didn't notice it. And I've, I've been out there at dark, but there were lights, pictures, and bulbs burning out one at a time. And it just happened over time. And so I just, you know, you just get used to what you're around and the surroundings, and you think it's normal. And it got to the point people couldn't even see out there. And so you understand when you get depressed, you'll get in a dark place, and you won't even realize what you're missing and what you're out of until someone just preaches the gospel and someone gives you a word of encouragement or light, and all of a sudden you charged again and you come back where you once were before. Y'all okay with that? Y'all understand? That's why we get together. That's why we assemble ourselves together. Because in the last days, and we are in those last days, there's going to be people forsaking this. You understand? Because they're getting dark in their own minds, and they think they can do it on their own. And Jesus is our shepherd, you know, that we don't have to have wants, and he leads us, he guides us, and he restores our soul for his name's sake. That keeps me in the Word of God because what He's done for me, it's for Him. You know, we Americans, we don't understand kingship. None of us do. We vote on everything. We don't understand kingship. When one man says this is the way it is, you don't have a vote. You do it. You obey. And really, that's the best government on the earth, except an unrighteous man would be a disaster. And, of course, if Jesus, Jesus will be that king on earth, it's going to be extraordinary. And so, you know, the government we have is the best we got, but it's not really what the Lord wants. You know, he, he would just rather a righteous man be in charge, but he understands and knows how weak men can become, how corrupt men can become, how... Uh, disgusting, despicable, wicked the heart can be. And so we got to vote in things. And anyway, we, we are privileged. <laughs> you know, we're privileged. You're, you're privileged if you're white. You're privileged if you're black. You're privileged if you're Mexican or Latino. You're privileged if you're Asian, if you're in Christ and you live in this country. What a privilege uh, we have. I thought I would do something a little different tonight. Uh, we will be out at 8. Everybody say out at 8. And uh, I really had a, I studied really well today. And uh, forgot all my notes at home. So <laughs> we're going to get the best of it. I mean, you, you study all evening and then you just forget your notes. 
don't y'all don't y'all hate on me don't y'all even judge me anybody ever forget things yeah I find your Bible here I find your keys here I find your kids here I mean you wouldn't believe what's left in this church when people leave I'm like my God what went on in that seat right there <laughs> anyway if you have your tithe have an offering you're welcome to bring it up now or anytime during the service who loves to give I read uh, John chapter 6 what's up Blackie What's up, Blackie? Blackie broke the ice. Come on, man. Thank you, Blackie. Appreciate you. Blackie must have had it all made out. Everybody else is making it out right now. I read John, the book of John today, and uh, it's probably not the book you want to read if you're fasting because it's all about food. And the whole chapter is talking about food. And it really begins with Jesus feeding the multitudes. And, uh, you know, he talked about food. Talked about the abundance of food, the extraordinary amount of food that was multiplied. And uh, then they started talking about the Passover. And uh, it went on towards the end that Jesus was talking about that he's the bread of life. And so everything in that whole chapter basically is talking about eating and if we talk about eating long enough we're going to go eat but uh, so I'm going to read a couple of scriptures in here and when I was reading this one when I got to this one scripture it kind of triggered something in me and because we're talking about discipleship probably the rest of the year we're talking about you know we talked about being chastened and pruned Sunday morning know uh, if, if we're going to be discipled that's going to be change the root word for disciple is discipline and so we need the words of God which are the disciplines of God the principles of God the way the will the word of God we need that in life that we can continue in our transformation and so you know talking about chastening you you talk about spanking your kids you know they get a little nervous. <laughs> you know, they know something's fixing to come and they don't totally understand it. And also chastening is like that. Pruning is like that. You don't, you know, we go through things and things happen. And, you know, and prayerfully, if we keep our eyes on the Lord, we come out better. And I said it Sunday morning, this thing has just been ringing on the inside of me. The mysteries of the providence of God are usually found applied in pain, suffering, and uh, adversity. You know, when you got the Word of God in you and you know God and you know He's faithful and you know He's trustworthy and you start going through something, that's when you hang on to Him. If you don't know Him, you have nothing. You, you, you know, you have no anchor to your soul. And so when that happens in my life and I have to hold on to what I know, because that's all I have. It's the only thing that's not changing. Y'all heard what I said? When everything is just wobbling, when everything is just moving, and everything is, is not right, and everything is not like it was yesterday, it was comfortable, and, and all of a sudden things start to change, you know, everything in this world will change. Everything will shift. Everything will diminish. Everything will be one way one day and different the next day. People change. Circumstances change. Economy changes, but the Word of God never changes. So we get to hold on to something that holds on to us, and we don't change. We make it through that transition. And so there's just some things in the Bible that we're going to just uh, briefly uh, maybe skim over just to get you to think about some things. And so we're going to start in John 6, 26. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, you seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. 
That's pretty, that's confrontational right there. Now, this is, this is where we are in this scripture. Jesus fed the multitude. Then he put his disciples in the boat. He left the crowd, and he took those that were closest to him, and they went across the sea, and, of course, the storm came up. They were all fearful. They had rowed all night. They're not going anywhere. Things are not getting better. Then Jesus shows up on the water, and they don't even recognize him. How many of y'all know that's bad when you're in trouble and you don't recognize the things of the Lord? You can't find Jesus. You don't know Jesus. You're going to sink. You are going to be fearful. But Jesus showed up, and he did show up. He worked everything out. The storm was calm. They got in the boat. They went to the other side. In the meantime, some of these people made it to the other side, and when they crossed over, this was those people on the other side, and this is what they're saying. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me. So in other words, they met him, and it's like, let's do that again. How about some free food? What, what you got for me, Jesus? What you going to do for me? You need to feel my desires. I know what I need. I want you to give me what I think I need. And he said this. You seek me, but not because you saw the signs. In other words, you didn't see God's action in my life. All you're thinking about is what God did for you. And this is about to change. And this is where discipleship starts. When it's no longer about God, what you can do for me, but what can I do for you? No longer demanding God, do this for me, do this for me. And God's a father. He takes care of us. We're his children, and we do have needs, and he does supply our needs. But in discipleship, you've got to cross this line. Like, you know what? It's just not going to be all about me and what I want and what I have to have and what makes me happy and what fulfills me. Y'all getting quiet here. This discipleship right here. And that's what he's telling this bunch. They ran all the way around the lake and met him and said, let's do this thing again. Free food. Now, listen, we do free food for people out there all the time. They come. And it's okay. That's the beginning. Because the Lord's a giver, so we want to give. And that is very attractive to people. They will come when things are free. And if you've been around this church long enough, we do everything free. We, we don't charge people for stuff. You understand? You give, you give offerings, and that takes care of the ministry here. But I'm going to read it again. Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, understand, pay attention what I'm telling you. You seek me not because you saw the signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Y'all got that? You didn't, and then he says this. He says, do not labor for the food which perishes. And so this is what they're seeking, things that perish. I mean, that's a human. That's uh, a young Christian. But when the disciplines of God begin to take effect in your life, you're going to see those things that are perishable in a different way, that your source is none of those things, and they can only fill you for a moment. How many of y'all know you eat a meal, you got to eat another meal? How many of y'all know you buy a new car, you have to buy another car? It's it just on and on and on. And so if that's what our appetite is, You'll never, ever step into the real things that Jesus wants to give you. Do not labor for the food which perishes. Don't quit your job. <laughs> I'm not saying that, but I'm saying seeking the Lord, Jesus, is more important than anything else because if you follow him, he'll feed you, and if he feeds you, you will be filled because we're not talking about perishable things. We're talking about things of eternal life. But for the food which endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. In other words, the Father has approved him. He's given him all authority. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. 
And so if we can put our trust in Jesus and trust Jesus, we please the Father. And that's what we want. We want to please the Father. And so we don't work and we don't give all of our attention and our soul and our emotions and our time and our energy. We just don't give it all to the temporal thing because it really doesn't fill us. So I'm going to ask you this question. You just answer it yourself. yourself. What are you hungry for? And there's, there's needs, you know. You might need a house. You might need a new car. We got that. But what are you really hungry for? I, I don't think we know what hunger is. You know, if somebody doesn't eat for a day or miss a meal, they're starving. Y'all ever hear people say that? They say they're starving. Really? Really? I've gone 21 days without eating. You're not starving. You won't die. You might have some little things going, but you're going to make it. So we don't know what starving is. We don't know what it's like not to have food. Right? And so my message is kind of going in this direction. Let me read some more. You know, I'll give you the punchline. Jesus said in verse 28, well, then they said to him, what, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he sent. So you believe in the Father in who he sent, Jesus. This is where our life is. Therefore, they said to him, what sign will you perform then that we may see it and believe you? What work will you do? Our fathers ate the manna, here we go about food again in the desert as it was written he gave them bread from heaven to eat then Jesus said to them most assuredly I say to you Moses did not give you the bread from heaven Moses did not give you the bread from heaven but my father gives you the true bread from heaven for the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world so Jesus is pointing at himself then they said to him, Lord, give us this bread always. thats I don't think they know what they're asking for right there. Give us this bread always. And Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. And he who comes to me shall never hunger. And he who believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me. And, one who, and the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast him out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me, who wants to be like Jesus. Well, you hadn't come. We're not doing this Christian thing. It's not our will, but it's his will. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that, that of all he has given me, I should not lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. So Jesus doesn't want to lose any of us. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up in the last day. The Jews then complained about him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And they said, is not this Jesus the son of Joseph? So they didn't see Jesus right. And you know, if people didn't see Jesus right, they won't see us right with Christ in us. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he says, I have, came, I have come down from heaven? Jesus therefore answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. It's a good promise right there. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and are dead. That's perishable food. Didn't give them an, an eternal life. This is the bread which comes down from heaven that no one may eat of it and that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, who wants the whole loaf? 
If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. Wow. The life of the world is the flesh of Jesus. That makes no sense to the corner mind. Where's true life in the flesh of Jesus? That's barbaric. I mean, really, think, think, you've got to be born again to even catch that. He will live forever. The bread that I shall give is my flesh, which I shall give for the life of the world. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? They missed it. Then Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. In other words, you have to keep eating. And when I say eat his flesh, you eat the life that he is. You partake of who he is. For my flesh is food indeed, my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me, he who feeds on me, not feeding on the things of this world, but feeds on me, will live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. Therefore, many of his disciples, listen to this, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And so we see um, a separation here. Jesus is speaking spiritually. But their eyes are on the worldly things. You understand? Because if you have a heart for Jesus, your eyes are going to be open to see and your ears are going to be open to hear and your heart will begin to understand what God has already prepared and has in store for you in his son Christ. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. Now listen, even as a, a good disciple of the Lord, there's going to be hard sayings. That's why we, we call that's why it's a discipline. That's why uh, you need, we need the teachings because it's hard to, to, to understand this or to do this or to apply that. Y'all you don't understand. It's a hard saying. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, you know anybody that complains about the hard things of the gospel? You see, we like the easy things of the gospel. He supplies all of my needs. Nothing hard about that. Bless me, Lord. Bless me and I'll follow you. No, you follow him. He'll bless you. There's hard sayings all over the Bible. But I found in America, we don't talk much about the hard sayings. We talk about what we want, what we like, and we, what we think we should have. Because if it's something we don't want, it's too hard. And so we just kind of stay away from those scriptures. But if you're going to eat from the table of the Father, you've got to eat everything on the table. When we grew up, I, I don't know how this works today. I mean, I see kids sit down and, parents put the plate out and it, I mean I'd eat three plates like that and the children said I don't want that and the parents get all worked up and they just go get them some macaroni or something and so the kids actually tell the parents what they're going to eat and what they like they don't know what they like <laughs> they don't know nothing they're a kid and so that's where the discipline starts you don't give them what they want you give them what they need or you give them what's best for them. And so in this discipleship thing, you don't get what you need or what you want. You get what's best for you. That's how the Lord deals with us. He don't give us what we, 
want and what we desire and what we like. He gives us what we need, but oftentimes we don't know what we need. I, I talked about that Sunday. We just, we don't know, but he knows. And even a mentor, somebody that's been in the Lord longer and grown up in the Lord, and they have some maturity, they have some wisdom, they have some experience, you know, that's like a parent. And the kids should obey the parent. Anybody hear the term terrible twos? Well, it don't have to be like that. I mean, it probably, it's not easy, but you know what I mean? You need, we need to make it through that. You know, we don't need a two-year-old running the house. We don't need five- and six-year-olds telling the parents what to do and what they're not going to do. And every emotional fit that they have, then the parents just collapses and gives in to it. And so they're spoiling the child. They're not spanking the child. And you know, it happens in the kingdom of God. God will show you what you need, and we just turn our nose up to it. And it's what we need, and if we would just obey, if we would just consume the direction or consume the wisdom and apply it to our lives in obedience with a good attitude in the right heart, if we just walk this thing out, we will see, my God, that works. You know, it actually works. You know what I talked about this Sunday. Everything I taught my kids when they were growing up, they fought it and they resisted it. But today, they're looking back and said, well, Daddy and Mama was right. So you need to be, as a parent, you need to be right. Don't cave in and do the wrong thing. But it's also the same as a disciple. You understand, you do what's right no matter what. No matter how hard it is, no matter how uh, string, uh, how you know how much effort it's going to take or what you got to go through, but you just have to do things right. Y'all here? Oh, man. When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, this is how I judge discipleship when, pe discipleship, when people get in it. I just measure their complaints. We want you to help us, Pastor. Pastor Kevin, we want you to help us. And so, okay, let's do it. Next thing you know, it's just resistance, pushback. And we can work with that. But you have to be hungry for the things of God. And you have to let go of your pride, your ego, and what you know. Y'all hear? This is discipleship. It's going to rub you wrong at times. <laughs> you won't like some of it. But it gives you life. You'll be better off down the road. You know why most people have so much drama in their life? They pushed against everything in life. They were not teachable. They said, I'm, I, I know what to do. I'm going to do it my way. And so they ran their own course. And people tell me all the time, I got this thing. I said, I can tell. You got it. It's all over you. It's a disaster. <laughs> Wouldn't listen to their parents. Won't listen to the law. Won't listen to teachers. And then, you know, if you run like that in the world, believe it or not, you could get born again and come in church, and some of that stuff is it's still in you. And if you didn't like your family and you pushed against your family, you talked back to your mama, you talked back to your, your, your daddy, you talked back to you fought with your brothers and sisters, you know what's going to happen when you get in here? You're going to do the same thing. So we got to grow out of that. And so if you didn't get it right in your family, God's going to put you right back in another family, and you just got to get it right. And if you don't get it right here and you get mad with us, you'll go to another church, and you know, you know what the Lord's going to say? This is your new family, and they no different. It's going to be the same thing. So you got to get it right. Are you always on the run pointing the finger and blaming everybody else for what's going wrong in your life? And you'll answer to God about that. Somebody say, that's a hard saying. When Jesus knew in him, I mean, Jesus knows things. And you know, people of God know things. You know, the Lord speaks to overseers. And, you know, I, I pray everybody in this room becomes an overseer. You know what I mean? Become a mentor to somebody, a teacher to someone, a parent, a teacher in the world. You know that you have something to give. And God, God loves to work through those people of influence. Jesus said, does this offend you? <laughs> There's going to be some offense in discipleship. 
I'm telling you, it's like rubbing two bricks together. Some of them coming off of one of them. <laughs> Who's been through this? I mean, I have. I grew up in church, man. I had pastors. What you laughing at, Nick? <laughs> I don't have it. I mean, I still got, I still got, I'm still being taught. I'm still, I can't, you know, once you think you're there, you just backslid. You know, once you think you got it, you're so full of pride, you can't hear no more. So that's all you got. <clears throat> what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? It is the Spirit who gives life. It's the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit. It's the whole, that's capital S right there. The Holy Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, therefore, I had said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted by him or to him by my father. Listen to this. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him. There's people that knew Jesus, walked with Jesus. They saw what he did. Maybe they didn't understand it all. And then one day, they just walked away. He called them disciples. So they must have been under some of his teachings for a while. And then he said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? I'm going to tell you in discipleship you may start out with other people your friends and not everybody's going to walk with you not everybody's going to continue on I don't know how many people I had to just let go of good people that just decided they just wanted a little church day they didn't want to grow they just wanted Jesus to do what they wanted Jesus to do for them that's what it was. They wanted to do their little duty. They wanted to serve their little time. When they needed the Lord, he'd be there for them. And thank God for his grace. Amen? But, but they never got to the point to grow up, to grow up and become responsible with what they had been given. And so that's, what, that's why we disciple people. That's why we, we teach Y'all understand that you can grow up and then be responsible for, for the gift and the calling on your life and the word that God is putting in you that you can help somebody else. It's really not about us. But in most Christianity in America, it's all about the person. It's not about us. It's about him. And he does do plenty great things for us, but it's all for his sake. It's really not for our sake. It's for his sake. And I mean, we live in that place that we plateau off and we just, we do it all because it's good for us. And man, man, just thank God for that. But it comes to a point, it's just no longer about us. It's about to please him. And to please him, you're going to have to gird up your loins. You're going to have to sober up and understand he wants to use you in these last days. And you're going to have to endure as a good soldier. This is what he calls people that are being discipled and disciplined, soldiers. You are no longer a civilian in the world, you know. You're a military person. Different laws, different flow, different ways. You carry armor. You, you understand the mission. You have a purpose. You have a leader. You understand? You've come to conquer territory. Y'all with me? Some people never get there. Some people don't want it's too. It's, they just don't want that. It's like, I don't know, man. I, I want the Lord's hand on my life. I want to lead the troop. <laughs> I'm ready for battle. I mean, Alone, I'd lose, but with Christ and the anointing and the power of God on our lives, we win, we're victorious. 
Then Jesus said to the 12, do you also want to go away? And believe me, when people start walking away from the things of God, you look at what they're doing. I had to. I mean, people just would not move, just stayed where they were spiritually. And I'm thinking, do I want this? Do, do I just want to sit here and complain and murmur and not participate? Is life too short? Do I want to end up in heaven and not done anything for the Lord? I mean, I, I thought about all this, and then I finally decided, you know what? I watched a couple of other people. I had mentors and pastors in front of me, and I just made up my mind. I want to be like them. I want my character to be strong. I, I want to be in shape spiritually. I want to be wise. I, I want to be taught by God. And so I enlisted. I said, I'm in. Let's do this thing. But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You know, you can come so far in the Lord that you can't, there's no, else, no other way to go. Most people don't come too far. That's risky right there. Everything I've ever done in my life, I overdid it. <laughs> you know, I used to run six miles about every five days a week. And what I would do, this is the way I did it. I'd run three miles straight in, a, in that direction. And I knew once I got there three miles, I had to come back three miles. So I'd always bite off more than I could chew. I'd always go further so I'd have, it would be harder to come back. I've always done that. Step out. It's risky business. So it's time, man. It's time to take that step. Sometimes it's scary, but it's okay. I'm going somewhere. Also, we have come to believe and know that you're the Christ. Okay, there it is right there. You know Jesus is the Christ. You know he's the son of the living God. Let's follow him. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you? So he chose us. But you have to, well, he called us. The Bible says many are called few are chosen his calling is right the choosing is up to you you have to choose to be chosen you know I remember when I was playing football I played three years in, in high school and then the senior year I wanted to play music I didn't want to play football but they came looking for me they said we need you we want you on our team. This is your senior year. They threw the whole pitch. They wanted me bad. And so they were calling me. But I chose not to be chosen. I made a decision not to follow that calling. And you can do the same thing in the kingdom of God. And the value you put on the calling will determine if you'll walk it out or not. The value you put on the Lord, the value you put on the assignment, the value that you put on what he's calling you to do in your spirit. If you highly value that, you'll walk and you'll take risks. If you don't see it as important, if you don't see it as valuable, if you don't see it as God calling you to that, you just won't put a whole lot of oomph in it. This is not Piccadilly. Christianity. Anybody know what Piccadilly is? Not young people, that you know. Well, at Piccadilly, you go through the line and you pick what you want. It's called Piccadilly. <laughs> you know, I'm gonna get what I want. I'm gonna get what I like, and it's not. It's just up there, and you just take what you want. And that's how Christian and Christianity in America is. Piccadilly Christian. You know, let you serve me. You take care of me, God. Church, what can, it, you know, it's not what I can do for you, church. It's church, what can you do for me? You understand? That's not the way it is. You can't pick and choose what you want to do and what you want to believe in the kingdom of God. And you can't pick and choose what you like in scriptures and what you don't like in scriptures. It's not like that. 
but that's what people do that's not disciplined in the Word of God. That's what people do that are not in a discipleship role. They just pick and chew. I like that. I don't like that. That's a kid. That's what kids do. I don't want that. I don't like that. No, you got to eat that. I don't want to eat that. You got to eat that. No, you don't want to eat that. That's not what we do. If the Lord says you need to partake, he said you need to eat of my flesh. He said you need to have all of me. And this is, this. the word of God is Jesus. You understand? So we don't get a hand and a foot. We get all of him. And so, Shema. Isn't that good? Lost my place. Piccadilly Christians. Y'all know any? They do things of God when they feel like it. They come to church when they feel like it. It's not important. They pray if they feel like praying. There's no regiment. There's no routines. There's no discipline. You know, the things of God are not first and foremost in their life. It's just like fit God in where, where you can. If I got time for God, we'll give God a chance. I know this big billboard going to Florida. Just I laugh every time I see it. It's a big sign with some hands folded, and it says, give God a chance. Really? You better give it. We need to give him all of our life, not a chance. Give him a, give him a window. or give him a, No, give him your whole life. You must eat all that's on the table of the Lord. All of what Jesus has come for what he's offering us we need to receive it can't pick and choose so I thought we'd just read a couple of scriptures that are hard you know even the ten commandments there's a lot of do nots and God forbid you tell a, a undisciplined Christian do not do this they'll turn it on well, I'm under grace. Well, don't steal. <laughs> don't murder. Don't covet. Don't lie. That's still good today. We can tell people that. <laughs> Be nice. You, you understand? If your hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go to hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. If you know what this really means is whatever is holding you back, whatever is calling you to, causing you to sin, get it out your life. And so if we would apply this scripture in today's church, we all would have no hands or one eye. But you know, because, and that's taking it real far but what I'm saying is we need to be serious about our lives in Christ you know people say well it's so hard to do that no this scripture takes you into a place of almost extreme do whatever it takes to do it right I mean that's what it's that's what it's saying if the computer the iPhone keeps you in sin throw the sucker away if you have friends in your life and they're pulling you down, just say, hey, I love you, but I can't be with you. Bye. You understand? Don't worry what they think. Let them talk about you, but you just walk away. Y'all understand this? This is why people don't continue in the Lord. They're not serious about their walk. You have to take every precaution. You have to do everything you know to do to walk on with Jesus because you will have ample opportunity to justify you things you do and to be wooed back to the world because the world does not want to let you go. And so it's going to be some tough decisions that you just have to make and you just have to man up, woman up, and just do it. These things are not taught in church. The Lord's going to help you. No, he wants you to do something with what he's told you to do. He wants you to take a step. Revelation 14, 10. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath. So you put the baddest ones first. <laughs> he himself 
there was one scripture in the Bible. These two guys were fighting. They're married. And one of the women, she got upset. I know, but I'm going to tell it. One of the women, she got upset with the other guy beating up her husband. So she ran up to the man that was beating on her husband. She grabbed him in the lower parts. She was serious about her marriage. And then the Bible says because she did that, now her hand had to be cut off. And that's a hard scripture right there. Because my wife, she going, you know, where, you know where hitting below the belt came from? Right there. You don't hit below the belt. If you do, you're hurting that man, and actually you hurt him to the extent that he can't have children. That's the problem. It's not that you didn't stop the fight and kind of put a little hurt on him. It's like you grabbed the thing so hard, he will never have children again. And God's interested in children. That's a good pro-life scripture right there. <laughs> it's in the Bible. I didn't make this up. He himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God. Listen to this. Which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be, he's talking about unbelievers. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. So the presence of the Father will be there. The Lamb will be there watching people getting thrown into fire. That's in the Bible. That's a hard saying, right? That's why we witness to people. And you know, if you don't understand some of these hard sayings, and what eternity really brings to some people that don't believe, if you don't understand that, and if you don't value the end results of people's life, you'll never witness. You will never witness. There'll be people screaming in hell. I don't know how this will work, but they'll be screaming in hell, screaming, why didn't you tell me about Jesus? Crying, tormented. Why didn't you tell me? Man, when I got saved at 33, I got born again. My eyes were open. I'm like, my God, I got angry. I'm like, why didn't people tell me this? Why, why were they so scared? Why didn't people tell me about Jesus? Now, they may have, and I didn't hear. But I didn't remember people just coming up to me and saying, man, you need to get born again. Of course, my wife started you need to be born again or you'll end up in hell. God loves you. He's got a great plan for your life. I never heard that till I was 33. Where were the Christians? Where was the church? I don't want that to happen in this community in people's lifetime. I want them to know. I want to present something in a loving manner, but yet firm and serious, that they can make a choice to not go to hell and to go to heaven. That's our job. This is our job. Nobody else can do it. Jesus is not coming back. It is our job. When you go to work and you have a job, don't you do your job? And, and don't you do your job the best you can? Well, it's the same way. We have a job description in the kingdom of God. And, and it's not for one person to do it all. It's not for the pastor to do it all. We are to take our part. We are to be led by the Holy Spirit. We are to be a witness every day. That's what disciples do. They make disciples. If you can't be discipled, you'll never disciple people. You can't disciple people if you hadn't been discipled. It's going to be a train wreck. People try to disciple people that are not in church. Guess what? When they disciple that person, they never get in church. They never know the church. They never get this. They never get the fellowship. They never get the membership and the, the supply of all the body in Christ. They never experience it because somebody decided, I don't need the church, so I'll just disciple people the way I know. And so they're left of what they know alone. And so that person never grows up. And you do that for a couple of generations, you've watered down the whole scriptures. And Christians are never strong again. And I feel like that's what's happened in America. And it's time the body of Christ stand up and everybody says, you know what? I'm enlisting and I need to get what I need so I don't die prematurely, that I will fulfill my call in life 
and I will gather many, many before I go to be with the Lord. Jesus, when, yeah, well, if Jesus doesn't come back in our time, we need to be faithful about what he's called us to do. Thank you, sir. Not everyone who said, listen to this, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of God, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. You know, there's people doing things for God, and the Lord Jesus does not have a personal relationship with them. And they're doing it on their own. And for some weird reason, I don't understand it, God will use that to help other people. But this person that's, that's doing it won't be helped. Families will fall apart. You understand? His life won't be good. And in the end, he doesn't even make it into heaven because he's doing things according to his way and his will. And then the Lord, for the Lord Jesus to tell somebody, I never knew you. Not on my watch. Not on my, not in my church. There's no way I'm going to sit in heaven and watch my church come before the, the judgment seat of Christ and not have great, great reward. And there's no way you're going to stay in this church alone, you know, for a period of time and not be saved and filled with the Holy, Holy Ghost. Not on my watch. And if it takes me talking about it in church and then it runs other people off and you still coming, I'm going to keep talking about the Holy Ghost because everybody here eventually needs to be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost and discipled and start to grow up in the Lord. That's the path. There's no other path. Nobody sits Nobody doesn't participate. No spectators. Everybody's in on the game. Everybody's scoring. Everybody's growing. Everybody's being led by the Spirit. That's the army of God. Okay. And then I will declare to them, I said that. Matthew 7, 13, 14. Enter by the narrow, net, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there be many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way that leads to life. You have to endure. I said it. There's going to be some times it's just tough. Who wants freedom? Who's going to be submissive? Well, you understand. It's, you can't eat what you want. <laughs> if you want freedom, you have to be submitted to what God is doing. Who's a receiver? Well, of course. But we got to give. You understand? People like receiving. Give me, give me, give me. My name's Jimmy. But you understand, if you're going to eat from the table of the Father, you got to eat from, you got to eat all of it. There'll be trials and tribulations. Oh, don't talk about that. There will be. People will betray you. Don't talk about that. That's negative. No, it's going to happen. For in the resurrection, they neither marry nor are given to marriage, but are like angels of God in heaven. There won't be any marriage in heaven. And I'm always going to be married to my wife. We're going to be together. I don't care what they say. <laughs> yeah, she might be there. You stay here. That attitude. You understand? I mean, there's just things. You understand? <laughs> the Lord knows best. Father knows best. How about this one? But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and keep back part of the price of the land for yourself? That dude just fell out dead in the church. You got to accept that. You don't fight the Holy Ghost. You know, years ago, I had a good friend of mine. He was working in Dow Chemical. And uh, these, these couple of people start just mocking him. And I mean, coming and Kevin just said on campus where they were witnessing today is just, I know the campuses are different today. It's all out attack on anything they don't like to hear. It's no longer free speech on campus. You say what we want to hear or you don't say it will hurt you. That's the way it's getting in our society. And so we need to stand up. We don't, we don't, we don't, we need to preach the gospel. And so, you know, when the Holy Ghost spoke for them to do a certain thing and they didn't do it, they died. 
And so a buddy of mine was preaching the gospel in the plant. He, I mean, he's a gracious person. He's a merciful person. He's a, a loving person. He would really give the gospel out in a way that could, you know, people could receive it. And he, he kept getting mocked and mocked, and he, wouldn't, he just kept loving people. You know, some people can't. They don't even like you to be nice. You know, when people curse you, they want you to curse back. When people hit you, they're looking for a fight. And when you, you know, uh, when they holler at you, they want you to holler back. And the Bible says, uh, you know, uh, be slow to wrath. A soft answer turns away wrath. And so we're not provoked. I'm, I'm speaking for us. We're not going to be provoked. We're going to stay calm. We're going to stay strong. And we're going to preach the word of God. We're going to stand in the word of God and the things of God. So anyway, they kept attacking him. And he, you know, he, he upped the love. He, he, he began to heap coals on their heads. He did everything right. And then one day he turned his back on a few of them. And one of them ran up to him. And this was this industrial staple, stapler. And they just shot it in his buttocks. It stuck in him. And the guy that did that, the next day he died. You, whatever. I'm just saying. And I've seen that happen from time to time. I've seen people in this church maybe despise what we're saying and walk out of here and things start to happen. It's not God. The devil just gets in agreement with them. God ain't real. And then they shake their head, yeah, and he kills them. You know, something happens. The devil don't know your future, but he can set things up along the line. I, I, you know, coincidence? I don't know. Things happen. Things happen to people that mock God. Ananias and Sapphira were mocking God. They knew better, and they were going to do it their own way, and they fell out in the spirit. They were slain in the spirit, never got up, didn't need a catcher. Listen to this scripture. Deliver such one to Satan. This is Paul. Deliver one such to Satan for the destruction of the flesh that his spirit may be saved in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. I've done that quite a few times. I told somebody the other day, I said, I'm tired of you playing with people's emotions in this church. You know, because we love people. And I've watched people uh, love on people and, the, and people play with their emotions. They tell them things they want to hear and then they go do something crazy again and come back and want help and take and, and never give. And, you know, it just, just gets people in church all wound up. I finally told somebody the other day, I said, you know what? You need to go serve the devil. Go get as much as you can in that world. I really did. I turned them over to the devil that their soul could be saved. That they'd get out there and run so far, so long and so hard they get to a place that they have to have God now. And they'd fall on their face and they'd bend their knees and they'd cry out to Jesus Christ to come and save them. And you know what Jesus would do? He'd come. But when you don't need him, he ain't coming. And to play with God and to play in church, I'd be very careful with that. Paul turned this man over to Satan. You know what they would do back then? They'd throw them out of church. They'd throw them out of church. And you know what? There wasn't no other church to go to. You couldn't go to the church down the block. You couldn't go to the church over here that agreed with everything you're doing. You could sleep. You could shack up. You could chew. You could booze up. You could smoke. They didn't have that back then. If they threw you out the church, you out the church. You, you are all alone. And, and, it, and people, Christians, were being persecuted. They're being killed. There's nobody back then wanted to be alone. There's nobody back then wanted to be outside the church. Today, you know, we got a lot of alternatives. <laughs> well, I have church at my house. They'd find you at your house. <laughs> I'll just do it my way. That's not how it goes. You understand? That's rebellion. The Bible says, "Of whom of Hamaeus, Alexander, whom I delivered to Satan." Here he goes again, that they may learn to to not blaspheme. You talk bad about God, there's the door. Get out of here. Oh, you can't do that today. God forbid. That is not Christ. 
Jesus walked in the temple. That was the house of his father. And he started turning the tables upside down. And he said, this is a house of prayer, but you've made it a den of thieves. And I bet he was nice about it. He just flipped a couple of tables like, get out of here. I don't know how that went. That doesn't give us a reason to be angry. You understand? But we don't put with ungod. We don't put up with ungodliness. I have a bunch of scriptures, but I'm not going to read anymore. I'll say this: You remember Job? And Satan came to God, the Father, about Job. And Satan basically said this: He's in it for the money. He's blessed. You take his money away, he'll curse you. God said, have at it. Lost everything. A storm blew his house away. Lost his cattle, his livestock, his crops, and his children. And he still praised God. They didn't know what was going to happen. The devil didn't know what was going to happen. It got to the point, I, I kind of see it like this, that all of the witnesses of, of heaven, or all the believers, or the angels, or maybe the Holy Ghost, and who, whatever, all of heaven was watching. What is he going to do? What is he going to do? What is he going to do? And so all of a sudden he says, the Lord giveth. And all of heaven's side says, yeah. And then the angels of darkness are saying, no, he's fixing to curse God. He's, fi he's fixing to curse God. He's fixing to curse God. And they all like, come on, curse God. Come on, curse God. Y'all with me? Come on, curse God. And then he says, and the Lord taketh. And just for a moment, they go, yes! But then he says, blessed be the Lord! <laughs> so right away, we found out he wasn't trusting in his riches. He wasn't just eating of prosperity. You remember the rich man came? And the rich man, he said everything right, was doing everything right. Jesus said, go sell all your stuff. That's all he wanted to eat of of the table of his stuff. And you can't just eat of what you want at the table. You got to eat it all. Come on, somebody. What was the next thing that happened to Job? Oh, his healing. Satan probably said, take your protection off of him. Let something happen to his body. I'll bet you he will curse you then. And sure enough, he was sick, had stuff on him from the top of his head to the soles of his feet curse God because he wasn't serving God just for his healing then the devil probably said well let me send his wife to curse him so she did curse your God and die and he still didn't relinquish his honor and respect to the Lord and so you know what your marriage is not first your children are not first your, your relationship with Jesus Christ is everything. You understand? You can't just eat from the table of, I have a good family. This is everything. That's no, not. Jesus is everything. And what was the last thing? Something else happened. Oh, his friends. You know, his friends all came, told him, curse God and leave. The next thing you know, he didn't. And so you see, he ate from the table of the Lord. Whatever was on the table, he partook of. He wasn't just picking and choosing. Mickey calls it cherry picking. Most people, you know, I'm, I eat my dessert first. Who does that? At least taste it. But as Christians, we got to eat the whole menu, whatever comes our way. It, it don't, you need to praise God if you're sick. You need to praise God if you're broke as an ain't. You understand? You need to praise God. If they're going to throw you in the fire, you need to just stand with the Lord and praise him and don't bow down to anything. You know, I, when I started doing this message, I started thinking about the Lord is our shepherd. We shall not want. And then it goes on to say that he prepares a table before us in the midst of our enemies. I mean, we have a table of goodness before us when sickness is trying to take us out. When, when our friends are mocking us and leaving us or you having trouble in your family or your finances are not going right or you are a little discouraged, you know, the, the enemies of this world and all the things that come against us. But here we are with the Father and Jesus and the Holy Ghost 
And that's just part of what's on the table. You understand? And you just got to keep walking. You got to keep, you got to take your lickings and keep on ticking. It's 8 o'clock. The, the rooster just crowed. Y'all with me? This is discipleship. So from here on to the end of the year, we're going to be talking about getting strong in the Lord. Being a soldier. You know, you're not going to be the one falling apart. You're going to help the person falling apart. You're not going back on drugs. You're going to help the people on drugs. You understand? That's who you're going to be. You're not going to stay in the dilemma that you're in. You're not going to stay in the bind that you're in. You're going to overcome all of that in the name of Jesus. Who's got it? And I wanted to say this. I just wanted to say this to Kevin. You can tell John. You know, we kid a lot. I'm going to be honest with you. We, we kid a lot, and I use my bald head a lot against Kevin. You know, we tell everybody I'm bald because of Kevin, but that's, that's not true. Now, there was some kids that attacked a bald man in the Bible, and a bear came out and ate 42 of them. So don't fool with baldness. I'm just telling you up front. That's a hard saying, but don't fool with it. 14 of them. Anyway, he'll eat all 42 of us if y'all... But anyway, so I always would throw that out, but I'm going to tell you, Kevin, it really wasn't like that. You were hungry. You were hungry. He would not go away. And so Kevin wasn't that hard. We just kind of, you know, we use that a lot to encourage people, but Kevin was not hard. He was hungry. He wasn't hard. He was hungry. He'd use drugs one night and come to church the next morning. I mean, crying at the altar. Just, I mean, that's how you got to get. You go for God. It doesn't matter what you in, what is coming against you, what's happening in your life. You keep running the race that's set before you. Or you won't make it. You'll lose heart and you'll quit. Amen. Shaka basikita manaya. Well, we'll see you, your family, your friends, and your enemies here Sunday morning. Bring them all. Great to be with y'all. And little girl, I want to encourage you. You've got some hunger in you too. And I'm delighted to see that. So keep coming around.